COVID-19 has changed nearly everything about our lives, and e-commerce is no exception. Today, we'll explore exactly how the e-commerce industry is changing and how you can adapt to those changes. Welcome to Skewed. I'm Steven Asentoski. And I'm Anand Vanaki. Let's demystify digital commerce. COVID-19 has had a huge impact on the world, and the shopping behaviors of customers is really no exception. As a result, e-commerce has actually increased significantly in that period. And if we're looking at just a couple of examples of that, if you look at Walmart, they had a 97% increase in e-commerce in Q2, and that's after a 74% increase in Q1. And Target had a 195% increase in Q2 after a 141% increase in Q1. So we're looking at massive gains and massive changes in the e-commerce industry. But those changes didn't just happen overnight. They're a result of changes and investment that these companies have made to adapt to a really rapidly shifting commerce landscape. Conversely, brands that didn't have strong adoption of e-commerce had a really hard time adapting to the pandemic, and actually many have unfortunately gone bankrupt. Um, I actually wrote a couple of articles on this topic, um, both for our internal uh, blog as well as uh, for RIS News. So we're going to dive into um, some of the short-term and long-term impacts of COVID-19 on e-commerce in this episode. Yeah, and we have links to those articles on avatria.com. Uh, you can go and check those out. We have links to the one that's on uh, RAS News as well. So, so yeah, let's let's dive into short-term impact here. Um, I, I think the first thing that that we we should talk about is product availability. I know early on, back in uh, back in March and April, even five months after the pandemic really hit in the U.S., retailers are are facing shortages of items and supply chains uh, are taxed. There's, you know, we saw uh, hand sanitizer and toilet paper being flying off the shelves and and different companies had to uh, adapt really quickly to those shortages and how to handle the proper communication on top of that as well. So, right. And on on top of that, like, so we saw shortages of things like toilet paper and hand sanitizer, as you mentioned early on. Maybe toilet paper is back on the shelves, but there's shortages in other things that might have a more complex supply chain that we're still seeing today five months after. So I agree, product availability is a really big component of uh, the impact that COVID-19 has had on e-commerce. Um, and I think one of the big things is that like as people are looking for these necessary items, whether it's hand sanitizer or Clorox wipes or whatever it may be, what's really important is the accuracy of that inventory. You want to make sure that when customers go to your site and they check the inventory, that you're telling them exactly how much is left on the shelves and where it's located. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to balance out like, sure, you want it to be accurate, but if things are if you're still in the reactionary aspect of that and trying to catch up the the accuracy sure is the end goal right it'd be great to be one to one or as close as you can to this is the amount that we actually have this is how much we can fulfill the customers i feel like the first step is just proper communication to the customers because ideally yeah you'd have perfect inventory but when things are we're in unprecedented unprecedented times right so the the ability to get there would take longer than the the 
sheer volume of customers that will be dealing with that. So, and you, you pointed this out that having proper communication, whether it be a banner, whether it be a dedicated page uh, in, a cust- in a company's response to COVID, how they're trying to address those shortages and, and get that availability updated. I think that's just like the, the first step that companies should take. I mean, these are products like hand sanitizer, gloves and masks according to Adobe Analytics, we're up 800% in March. And it's it's unrealistic to think that within even a couple of days that you'd be able to vastly improve that. It would be iterative and you surely are pointing a lot more resources strictly towards your inventory and ensuring that's uh, as accurate as possible. But, um, but yeah, talk about how, how companies can... Um, put messaging out there and maybe some examples of what you've seen of how companies have handled that. Yeah, for sure. I think over the last several years, customers have become accustomed to uh, a certain set of norms or standards that they just expect from every uh, e-commerce experience and every shopping experience. And so when you start to deviate from that, and when even if it's totally outside of your control, if you need to be able to message to your customers so amazon and a lot of really uh, a lot of companies really did this where they would put a banner up top that would say we're experiencing shipping delays here's what you can expect because ultimately when you're shopping for anything but especially necessities people want them quickly and if you can't get it to them quickly uh, then you need to tell them exactly what to expect so that they can make an informed decision rather than find the product that they're looking for, add it to cart, go through checkout, then only see, oh, shipping, it's not going to ship for seven to 10 days. That might be too long for them and they'll need to go somewhere else. And in which case they've wasted their time and they're less likely to come back to your business in the future. Um, uh, To me, I'd rather lose the sale once and then, um, but have them come back because we're transparent about what to expect rather than lose a customer for an extended period of time. Yeah. There, there was actually a real world example for me. I know obviously we're in the longer term aspect now, but uh, I was with a new internet provider setting up here and I'd emailed a question and it was over the course of a couple of days. First email went through and I got a response in maybe 24 to 36 hours later. I sent another one a couple of days later and they had updated their messaging saying that uh, they're receiving a higher volume due to covert related tasks and obviously with a lot of people shifting to work from home uh they were experiencing a lot of slowdowns so they had messaging as soon as i sent out the email they sent a reply of our email contact usually is within 48 hours we cannot guarantee that with a higher volume due to uh covid19 so that was just a good example of within a couple days they're set up well to let me know that, hey, maybe I should call instead of emailing this question. And I would have been really frustrated <laughs> if I didn't get that, that message back and it's 48 hours later and I don't you know, have the, my question about my router, so. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think the, what we're talking about, we're talking about it in the context of e-commerce, but these issues are widespread across businesses of all types, whether they're e-commerce or services or really any other type of business. So it's definitely not unique to e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really something that everyone's dealt with, not just from a business side, but also as a consumer, like you said, with your ISP and 
um, you and I also shop on e-commerce sites and have have faced the the same thing. So it, it can be frustrating and we're all kind of going through this. So it's really important, I think, to just be clear with your customers in terms of what to expect. Yeah, I think the other thing that we can do as as people who might have an e-commerce business um, is to prioritize products that have digital fulfillment because those aren't impacted by coronavirus. If you're buying something that's fulfilled digitally, whether that's a service or a gift card or some other product software, for example, those are things that aren't impacted at all. So um, that's definitely something to prioritize if you want to start steering your customers towards those. And also those might be um, a higher priority for your business because it has lower overhead and higher margins. So you want people to transact on those digital products. Yeah. And, and it was definitely an example where there were a few restaurants nearby that I really wanted to support early on, knowing that COVID would hit them hard. And that was the first step I took, go to their website, buy some gift cards I knew I would use later on and give them that capital because I you know, knew they, were, they would be struggling over the next coming months. So whether that's like something that you don't have set up at all, obviously that would be a, a push because like you said, they're, they're relatively simple to set up. There are lots of different services that you can set up a gift card or whatever that may be, but then prioritizing on your website, having just a button on the homepage that takes you directly to the gift card page or, or whatever your services may be. Uh, you know, so I think there are ways, whether they're your primary form of business to further enhance that, add more offerings, or if it's something that you don't have, uh, it, it's definitely a time to prioritize that, whether it's adding them brand new or just, placing them more excessively for customers that will be visiting uh, your website more often than they would have before COVID times. And then I yeah, think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you bring up a good point with the reg with the restaurants. And I actually have been really impressed with the restaurants, at least in my area, where like restaurants are as far from an e-commerce business as you can really expect. But yeah. they have had to adopt digital technology in an industry that hasn't had strong adoption of cutting edge technology and they've had to do it really quickly because I mean as we all know with restaurants it's it's a really tough business and if you are not uh, innovating and thinking outside the box um, especially during a pandemic you're not going to survive so yeah I mean moving to gift cards um, I saw a lot with online um, online ordering and takeout like restaurants that you wouldn't normally expect to have takeout um, really quickly spun up these takeout menus and are using online ordering systems whether um, that's Talk or Uber Eats or Grubhub or anything like that. Um, and it, it's actually been pretty pretty surprising and pretty impressive that um, that these businesses have been able to um, to sort of digitize their their brick and mortar experience. And yeah, yeah, no, that's that's super important. And um, yeah, like you said, I'm impressed how quickly they've been able to do that. And obviously that's just you're losing a lot of, uh, manpower necessary on your day-to-day, -day, but they've uh, likely had to shift their focus towards, um, you know, focusing strictly on, on those aspects of their business. So uh, I think something that you brought up in your article as well, I wanted to bring up was how important it was to give, uh, give customers the ability to sort or filters around stock availability and, um, and have more frequent updates uh, for proper metrics to customers. So when I was searching for this office chair, I was I was looking at a couple of different websites for sorting by stock or even an in-stock filter. 
And those are areas if you're either working for an e-commerce company or, or whatever it may be, having those easy sort and filters accessible to the customers to, you know, for me, I didn't really care about which chair this was. It was what is nearby to me. Amazon had a bunch of items that were not available until September that wasn't going to work. And it, it, it was rare to find, uh, you know, of the big box stores, not very many of them had those options. So I, I think there are ways to alleviate those things that are, that are higher volume buys right now, such as office supplies is like creating a, a an update job for your search index for those specific categories that have higher traffic and higher conversion rates. So identifying those items that are that are being purchased more often and having the accuracy, having specific jobs built up to get closer to that one to one inventory data to the customer that that was the reason I chose the the store I did for this chair. And I, I think that's an easy way that companies can prioritize where to put their development effort uh, within inventory accuracy instead of, you know, you mentioned prioritizing that over potential new enhancements. So, yeah. And I think one of the things that we, we've kind of touched on this theme in a lot of the examples that we're talking about, but it, it's really the businesses that are succeeding are the ones that are taking the most creative solutions. And we talked about restaurants really thinking outside of the box. Um, but you've seen retailers start selling masks and um, really just doing whatever it takes to to stay afloat. And I think that's really important because ultimately it's it's really going to be those creative solutions that are the ones that are going to best serve serve your customers. That's a great point. First Ascent in Chicago, it's a rock climbing gym I was a member of. They... At once Chicago decided they were starting to open back up, they offered a member-only reopening event, which I thought was really, really smart. Obviously, they couldn't just open to the to all of their members. When they're packed, they are packed, and that's just not a safe way to do that. So it, it incentivized people to continue with their membership, and they got the messaging out on that really early, where if you continue your membership, if you're a member, when we open back up, we'll have, I think it was like a week-long thing they did of opening back up with just their members so that not only ensures the safety where you'll have a lower number than just the members and non-members climbing for that amount of time um, but it gives incentive for people to stay with their membership so that was a great way to kind of find how they can open reopen safely while still rewarding those who had that customer loyalty so i thought that was a good creative solution yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, we've talked a lot about uh, sort of B2C type companies, but there's also been impact short term and long term for B2B companies. So um, we I, are officially in a recession as a result of the pandemic. We can't forecast the length, um, obviously, but we know that there's been uh, an economic downturn associated with with the pandemic. Um, so B2B is influenced by a lot of different factors than B2C, but it's not recession proof. So I think some people like to think that B2B is more recession proof than B2C. Uh, that's not not really the case. So just as customers and individual consumers are impacted um, by the economic um, effects of COVID-19, businesses are reacting to COVID in ways that devi deviate from their, their typical buying patterns as well. Um, so we, we've seen we've seen an impact on B2B companies. 
Um, but some of the things that BB companies can do in the short term, um, I, I think one of the things is really to evaluate the supply chain and see where shortages might be expected. And that's really um, kind of speaking to those inventory challenges that we were talking about before, um, but understanding um, what the shortages are are and that is something that you can you can forecast especially with complex supply chains that if you know you're running out of material a that's required to make product b uh, that at some point down the road you're not going to be able to sell product b so from an e-commerce perspective maybe you start to deprioritize that product if you're envisioning stock shortages uh in the future so that you don't have a lot of frustrated customers on your hand right on your hands yeah and then you also mentioned having time-saving tools uh, for your B2B users like reorder functionality, um, easy ways to access order history. Those are always a good idea. Uh, and you mentioned in the article, it's important to, to remember that businesses are comprised of real people. You know, these are people dealing with the same stresses from the pandemic as you and I. So I think it's easy to kind of lose that in B2B versus B2C, but uh, there are different aspects, like I mentioned, for reorder functionality, different things like that that can help ease uh, the customer's experience within your B2B application. Right. One of the trends I think we are seeing in B2B um, e-commerce uh, before the pandemic is that I think uh, from an experience perspective, B2B, B2B is starting to become very similar to B2C because as you mentioned, it's real people placing these orders and they want good, high-tech, modern experiences. And I think this just um, really uh, exemplifies exemplifies that fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's, let's shift over to long-term impact here. Um, this was the article that you had on RAS News. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say we are in the long-term impact. There are of course, some of the aspects we brought up in the short term are still applicable today, but give us a a thirty second rundown of what what your article in in the uh, RAS News went over, Anando. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, we're we're definitely uh, <laughs> while we're still facing some of the short term effects, we are in month five of the pandemic. So uh, we are also uh, there's also been a, a long term impact as well. Um, it, it's actually um, fairly straightforward to see what, what we can expect for long-term impacts of COVID-19, especially on e-commerce. Um, what's Digital commerce is subject to the same factors as other businesses, but it what's really cool about it, and the reason why I am passionate about it, is that it provides businesses with a unique set of tools, and they can use those tools to, um, to address some of these long-term concerns. So, now that we're in the fifth month of the pandemic, we're seeing kind of two major factors in the, uh, that are driving these consumer changes. Uh, the first one is really public health concerns with in-person shopping. And the second one is um, concerns and effects around a protracted economic downturn as a result of the pandemic. Um, so I think those are really the two areas that I focused on in the article, but we can talk, talk more about. From a public health perspective, um, the pandemic is really uh, proven to be accelerating the decline of brick and mortar retail. Obviously, brick and mortar was, um, especially these large national brands like Sears and Kmart have been in decline for a really long time. Uh, but it, we, we've seen an acceleration. There's been a number of really notable 
um, brands that are famous for their brick and mortar stores. Um, J. Crew, Neiman Marcus, Brooks Brothers, they've all gone bankrupt in the last couple of months during as a result of the pandemic or maybe accelerated by the pandemic. Um, so we've definitely seen an impact there. Um, most of the states in the U.S. have relaxed stay-at-home orders, but that doesn't mean that customers are flocking back to in-person stores. I, uh, I personally haven't been to a mall in a while, but I can't imagine that they're as packed now as they were uh, in the past. And businesses and shops are still limiting their normal in-person experience. So um, when, you, when you go to a store, it, it's not like everyone can just go in. Like You're going to have to stand in a line, and you're going to have to wear a mask, and you're going to have to do a lot of things, and you might not have the same support from, um, from those, uh, from the... Uh, the people at the store uh, that you might be accustomed to. So as we look at ways to combat those changes, um, customers are adopting digital commerce um, of, of some sort. Um, so we, uh, I, I think as you have a lot of customers that are moving to e-commerce that maybe don't traditionally shop online, um, it's important to present customers with the products that they actually want to buy. So if you think about like your typical uh, brick and mortar shopper, if they're going somewhere uh, and unless they're browsing for something that they never buy, they probably know where exactly in the store it is and they can just kind of turn their brain off, go on autopilot, go find it. So I know like when I go to the grocery store, like I can close my eyes and navigate through the aisles because I know exactly what what I want and where it is. Don't actually and, do that though. That's just a, no, not a thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Don't 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 walk around with your eyes closed, especially during a pandemic. Um, but so when we when we translate that to online, product findability is super super important. And we knew that before the pandemic, and now it's even more important because people. I mean, what it really boils down to is like people are frustrated. People are frustrated with the overall situation, and that that kind of manifests itself in a lot of different areas. So if you can reduce the friction of finding products in general, you're really going to make your customers a lot more happy. Um, another way to sort of reduce friction is to simplify the checkout process. Um, simple things like saving credit card types and, um, and reducing the number of pages so they don't have to click a thousand times to get through, through checkout um, is, is really important. Um, other things that uh, just reduce the sort of surprise factor in checkout. Let them estimate shipping in their shopping cart so they know exactly what the bottom line is. People don't want to see that their subtotal is um, is one one amount and then you've you end up adding 20% with sales tax and shipping on top of that. So um, I think those are those are a couple things. And then the other thing is, is especially as you're moving customers from uh, an in-person experience and um, those more traditional shoppers and you're moving them to online, they might have concerns around security and privacy. You hear a lot about like recent hacks in the news and that has a big impact on consumer confidence. So it's really important to, to emphasize the security and privacy features on your site, um, whether that's through badging or help text or uh, just uh, in, in general, taking best practices to make sure that customers have the most confidence as possible in their um, in their shopping experience yeah i mean you're you're getting a, a ton of traffic from people who would have never thought to order whatever it is they're ordering online and uh, everything you've mentioned from findability to simplifying the checkout process to security 
those are all things if you're a first time shopper online those are the the things where uh i would struggle the most with and um they're they're not all that difficult to do you know most most e-commerce sites those are the uh the bare bones the um nuts and bolts of of what you're trying to look for so um you know findability findability you know we talked a little bit about that in terms of like providing the sorts and in stock functionality but honestly it can be as as simple as putting a, a banner on the home page of one or two of your your biggest categories just an image that links to one of your your biggest categories that is in demand right now and that that right. can do it so that's um yeah sometimes those simple those simple um solutions are, are the best solutions yeah and while while we are seeing a big trend of of shopping going online um there's notable exceptions to that trend where for businesses where brick and mortar is essential to the buying experience. So Steven, I know you have a lot of experience with um, buy online, pick up in store, also known as BOPIS. Um, and so I think you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. And, and this is an example of like going to a car shop, right? If you uh, want to get your tires replaced on your vehicle, how are you safely going to do that where in my previ- previous experience, you take the car to the shop, you sit in the lobby with five other people waiting to get their uh, tires replaced on their vehicle. Um, that's not really an experience you can do uh, very safely today. So providing those services that are necessary to be there in person, but allowing it to be as safe as possible. So a, a Uh, an important aspect of that is ensuring that if you can transact online ahead of time, do that. That just knocks down one other area of contact at the actual store at the time of, if we're sticking with this example of your tire change, uh, you don't have to do that once you get there, right? You can wait in your car until it's your time, uh, your appointment, and then you can um, safely wait inside. And and a, a big part of that as well is if it's appointment based, like a, a car, um, a, a tire change, whatever that may be, having appropriate services set up to have your appointment scheduled and with minimal other appointments as well. So understanding how many appointments can we handle safely during this time and focusing on that functionality from your e-commerce site. So ensuring however many uh, appointments you guys can have at any given time the accuracy of that is paramount right before covid if that's inaccurate by one or two that may just result in some customer frustration now you're looking at a public health concern if that's not entirely accurate so having a focus on that sort of uh, appointment servicing and taking into account the uh you know what are those protocols if it's not 100% accurate obviously it's not going to be perfect all the time but minimizing those become more important now than ever before yeah so that that covers i think a lot of the public health concerns but the other part of that is the economic concerns so uh like i mentioned we are technically in a recession now uh and there's economic stress on on consumers and and their shopping trends so um it's a little bit uncharted territory because it's been a long time. We've had a lot of strong economic growth over a long period of time. But if we look at the impact from 
the 2008 financial crisis, which was actually the first recession in the digital age when e-commerce is a prevalent form of shopping, um, what we saw was while online commerce was down across all months, the months that were most impacted were around the holidays. So consumers are scaling back their holiday shopping as a, as a result of the recession. Um, and um, while overall commerce was down, as a percentage of the total um, revenue from um, from commerce, online commerce outperformed brick and mortar retail. I think we're going to see that even more amplified because not only are there the economic concerns, but there's also the public health concerns that we talked about. So um, recessions are obviously bad for everyone, um, but they're better for online retailers than, than anyone else. Um, another thing that we saw from the financial crisis in 2008, um, consumers became a lot more price conscious. So they'd spend more time shopping, more time finding the best price. Uh, so that's that's an important part. If your business offers a price match guarantee, that's something that you should be um, advertising on on your homepage and in a banner that uh, buy it here. If you find it cheaper anywhere else within a certain period of time, uh, have a straightforward way of submitting that information and then provide that customer the refund. Uh, those are all things that um, I think the sh short-sighted way of looking at it is that that will negatively impact your bottom line. But I think long-term, uh, you're really building that customer trust and that customer loyalty. Right. Uh, the other, the other thing that we uh, were going to, that we saw from the financial crisis is that customers were a lot less likely to impulse buy. So when we're talking about merchandising, a lot of times it's like it's kind of in the grocery store how you have the candy aisle, and that's like the ultimate impulse purchase. And uh, merchandise, digital merchandising online is similar to the psychology of picking up a candy bar in the checkout aisle. Um, but um, if customers are less likely to impulse buy, then maybe um, don't recommend. So if you're selling jeans, for example, don't recommend belts. Recommend other jeans that maybe if the one that they're looking at isn't the right option for them, they see these other options. Um, so changing how you're cross-selling might be a pretty good solution. Um, and then customers are much less likely to make large purchases. So um, as their price sensitivity increases, their their average order volume um, or value is uh, is is decreasing. Mm -hmm. um, so to to address that one specifically, one tool that we have available to us now that we didn't have during the financial crisis is a lot of um, these financing options: Affirm, Afterpay, Klarna, etc. There's a few others out there, um, and studies have shown pre-pandemic that the ability to finance orders increases your AOV and it increases your customer retention. And these impacts, I think, are likely to be amplified during a recession, uh, which, uh, which is an important part. I mean, if there's something, a big ticket item that customers feel that they need to buy, give them flexible ways to do that. And I think that's, uh, that's an important part of a, of a long-term COVID-19 response. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, the, the other part of that is something that we've talked a lot about um, in the podcast, but uh, just advanced merchandising and findability. And one thing that I think we haven't really touched on is, yeah, that's all great from a customer perspective, but the other uh, benefit on top of that is it's going to reduce your operational cost of running your e-commerce platform in general, and it's going to reduce the complexity and the organizational complexity required to support your platform. And that's always something to be looking 
um, looking at to how you can be more efficient in those areas. Yeah, that'll pay dividends regardless of when COVID-19 ends. So yeah, that's a good point. And I think part of like the, the aspect you mentioned of less likely to impulse buy or make large purchases, I think, you know, we mentioned prioritizing inventory and accuracy there and ensuring that you have those sort of items um, easy to find for customers. I think if there is an area to look for different enhancements for your website is how are customers going to be using your product? So an example for me, I was looking to buy sunglasses and that's an item that I, I had a really tough time thinking of how I was actually going to do that in store, right? Because I don't want to be trying on sunglasses that 10 other people have probably tried. That's a very difficult thing for, for companies to do that. That's just an in-store experience that you can't really do today. At least I don't feel comfortable doing so. Uh, I had to visit a couple different websites before it had the option of using the webcam and placing the sunglasses on my head, right? That actually places the usability of the product in how I will be using it without having to uh, go to a brick and mortar to try them on. So obviously it's not perfect, but that helps bridge the gap between a brick and mortar experience to uh, what I'm actually wearing. Um, similar, I needed a suit. And that was another thing where I'm prioritizing uh, companies that have uh, the ability to uh, custom tailor that ahead of time so, so that when I get it, I don't have to take it to a tailor. That's an experience that, again, uh, I, I wouldn't be comfortable doing in today's age. And obviously, those are just two examples. But taking the customer's end use, how are they actually going to be using this product? What are some ways that we can help build an experience, build a solution that will help ease them into that purchase. If I can't see it on my face, if I don't know that it's going to fit me, I am way less likely to buy those. And the companies that prioritize those experiences, um, those are the ones that, that eventually got my purchase. So those are just two examples of, of a good experience to help alleviate those larger purchases that I probably otherwise wouldn't have made. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh... I, I have terrible vision. I've been postponing my eye doctor's appointment and I know that I'm going to have to get new glasses. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, um, there's those webcam based, uh, based, um, kind of digital try ons. There's also like, like I know Warby Parker will ship you a few, which you can then clean yourself, um, and try it on sort of in the comfort of your own home and then, um, select from there. So, um, yeah, I think, it really uh, kind of goes back to creative solutions to to a problem to make sure that your customers are as comfortable as possible. Yep. All right. I think we, we covered that pretty well. Um, again, you can find Anando's articles on avatria.com. Uh, anything else, Anando? No, I hope uh, I hope everyone enjoyed uh, listening to this episode on, on the impact of COVID-19. Um, I think there's there's a lot. It, it's definitely daunting, the challenges that, that businesses are facing, but uh, e-commerce gives businesses a lot of tools to uh, to address some of those. So thanks for listening to Skewed. Uh, we'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback that you have. Yeah, and feel free to email us. Our email address is hello at skewedpodcast.com. That's hello at s-k-u-e-d podcast.com. You can subscribe to Skewed wherever you listen to podcasts.